Hello, I'm here. I'm Jacqueline Vargas, a student here at TCU Neely School of Business, and I'm here with TCU alumni Nathan Butorak, founder of pinatagrams.com. To begin, Nathan, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, maybe how you chose TCU, when you graduated, things like that. Absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me on, Jacqueline. Uh, I always appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about my entrepreneurial journey and try to help those that are coming behind me. I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, so I always was around TCU, went to some of the football games as a kid, but really I followed uh, my path to TCU was following in my brother's footsteps. Uh, Growing up, he was always a huge TCU fan. And after visiting him on campus and just seeing how beautiful it was and then learning about the Neely School of Business and how highly it was regarded in the business community, that kind of pushed my decision-making to, to head towards TCU uh, over, over the edge. And uh, I studied marketing and entrepreneurial management while I was at TCU. I graduated in the class of 2013, and I've always been an entrepreneur, so uh, Going to school for entrepreneurship just was a natural fit. Uh, I started mowing yards when I was 10 years old, again, following in my brother's entrepreneurial footsteps. Uh, He had started mowing yards right about that same age, and it was a perfect opportunity for a little extra cash going through high school. So, yeah. yeah. um, Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, So, can you explain to our listeners uh, what is exactly pinatagrams.com and when exactly did it start? Absolutely. So pinatagrams.com is my current venture. It is an e-commerce company that sends miniature pinatas through the mail filled with candy and they arrive visible. So they show up. I've actually got one right here. So this is a uh, Corona Corona pinatagram that we did for Cinco de Mayo. So they they arrive visible. And for those that uh, are just listening Again, just a miniature pinata, three quarters of the way inside of a box. We put a clear poly bag over that and they go through the mail. That's awesome. Um, so what when researching uh, for this interview, um, I read a little bit about your marketing campaign. How exactly did you start that and what prompted that and who helped you? And can you explain um, the process <laughs> of how that went? Absolutely. So the origin story of pinatagrams is that I stayed up late one night Google searching crazy stuff that you could send in the mail because I wanted the opportunity to start a business with three qualifications. The the first that I could start it with less than a thousand dollars. The second that it, it had a roadmap to go cash flow positive within three months. And the third that I could work anywhere. And so I wanted to do an e-commerce business because I knew if the product was right, I could source it, have a third-party fulfillment center handle all of the logistics, and then essentially I would just be marketing. I didn't want this to be just your average product that I had to do a ton of money in marketing to get out there. So uh, the Google searches were, what are crazy things you can send in the mail? My first idea was mailasnail.com, mailing real snails using snail mail. And that flopped in a matter of about 48 hours. And I pivoted to pinatas when I, when I saw some mom blogs mentioning that they were sending these, these pinatas completely outside of a box to their kids at school. And they were arriving perfectly intact and the kids loved it. And 
I was living in Houston at the time, knew of a couple of party stores near nearby. And the next day went and bought some pinatas and shipped them to my parents. When they arrived, I realized that I was going to be in the pinata business because it, <laughs> it, it made a, quite the splash at home and uh, the smiles were, were definitely worth it. And so now I had a product and I had an idea, but I needed it to get out into the world. And circling back to your question of what was that campaign that really put us on the map? I had attended South by Southwest, which is a large interactive startup and film festival and music festival down in Austin, Texas the year before. So when I launched this business in January of 2016, it was a natural fit that in March, here was this event with tens of thousands of people in downtown Austin, just a city over from Houston where I live. And uh, I knew there'd be a lot of captive eyeballs and receptive eyeballs to a, an idea like this. So I printed a thousand signs for a missing pinata. So think, visualize a missing dog sign where it's got the photo of the dog, little pull tabs with the contact information. Well, Pina the pinata was missing in downtown Austin. And my friend Russ Russell and I, went into downtown with those thousand flyers and didn't leave until every single light pole in downtown had a flyer on it. So you couldn't wow. go 50 feet without seeing, yeah, seeing a sign for a missing pinata. And then we also, the, so that was one part of the, the brand activation. Mm-hmm. And then I brought down with me a hundred uh, of our miniature pinatagrams and we gave them to pedicab drivers that were working the event. So people would be like, Oh my gosh, the pinata's missing. Where is yeah. And then one would drive by on a pedicab. What gave you the idea to for the pedicab? You know, honestly, I was, I, I don't even think if, if I'm being truthful that when we went down there, the goal was to give them to the pedicabs. I had them with me because I think I was going to give them out, maybe set up a table somewhere. But when I saw them, when I saw a pedicab go by and it had a big Game of Thrones advertisement on the back, I was like, well, you know what? I wonder if they'd be willing to take one of these and just move it around the city like a, a mobile billboard for us. Yeah. We were able to convince about 20 of the, the drivers to do it. And how old were you at this time? So I was 26 at wow. that time. Wow. You had the confidence to ask all of those pedicab drivers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it. Uh, they were very approachable and friendly, but yes, we, we just kind of walked up and said, Hey, you see those signs for the missing pinata. You're going to get a lot more rides if you have one of these. And I think it worked out in their favor too, because it definitely drew people to their specific cab. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Um, going back to what you mentioned a little bit earlier about your first idea, or maybe just one of your first ideas, mailasnail.com. Can you explain like why you, you thought of mailing things? Um, Cause you do that now with pinatagrams and just like, how do, what made you decide not to pursue that? Um, we heard a little bit about why you chose to pursue pinatagrams, but like, just why, why mail? What, yeah. What, what uh mail was uh, again, part of that three part criteria was being able to work from anywhere and uh, mm-hmm. e-commerce, just knowing that it wasn't, dictated by a brick and mortar footprint or a physical store presence that I would have to show up to every day, open up and, um, and make sure that there was enough foot traffic to get sales. I knew if I had a product that I was selling online that I could 
go out digitally and pull in customers and that they're depending on the product, plenty of fulfillment centers that are willing to just handle all of that, the physical aspects. So it really became, would become a game of just um, the marketing side of things. Why Mail a Snail didn't work out was, uh, you know, I had the idea one morning and by the afternoon I had a prototype website up. In the evening, I was asking Facebook friends if they would be, if they thought it was funny to, to mail a snail and if they would buy one if I launched this business. And after mixed reviews, but mostly positive, uh, that night I had a hundred snails in my shopping cart from a California snail farm, which is a real thing. And uh, I was about to check out when it asked me to fill out about three pages of government documentation because snails are invasive species and they have to be tracked when they go across state lines. And I was planning on doing that all the time with my business. So it, uh, the idea of mailing real snails one-offs to consumers was, was killed right then and there. Okay. Okay. Um, well, so what exactly for all the ideas that you have, um, you mentioned that you, your developmental process seems to be very quick. Um, how, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you, what do you suggest um, maybe other TCU students with ideas? How do they test their ideas quickly? Like you did. Yeah. You know, entrepreneurship is, is an amazing journey, but it is also a very dangerous one because when you are playing with your highest hopes uh, and you're bringing money into an idea to, to, to try it. You can see some people that take really big swings at ideas and, and they don't pan out. And if you do that, um, if you leverage yourself a little bit too much towards an idea, it can, it can turn out very bad. And I've always embraced lean startup methodology and this idea of how can we prove that this idea is worth continuing towards at every little step. And so pretty much right out of the gate, whenever I have an idea, I'm driving towards identifying what the costs associated with that idea are mm-hmm. from if it's a product company, the hard costs of, um, you know, who manufactures something like this? What is the minimum order quantity that I would have to order and how much per piece for that minimum order quantity? Because if this was ever going to be a real thing, I would at least have to get that much um, of the product. Yeah, And then from there, it's building out a quick little marketing presence. So I like to just skin up a landing page and begin driving some traffic there with the value proposition of whether what, what product or service it is. And that's where you can start getting feedback from your consumers and narrowing in on your target market. And so just all of these quick little these quick little steps that continue to validate. And uh, I'm a big proponent. I have ideas all the time and I'm constantly failing at 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 least like one or two ideas. And that's because um, I like to like essentially kill the ideas. I like to get them out of my mind if I'm either the wrong entrepreneur for it or if I can quickly say the math of that business model does not work or that's just going to be a terribly uh, time-consuming endeavor without much hope of fruits on the other end. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great, the, the lean process. That's an, that's an awesome way to, to test how, how ideas can be good or, or how they may not be. Um, so 
when starting pinatograms when having the startup you mentioned you started it when you were about 20 so did you have a like a career or a job or like what did your life look like when it maybe started taking off more yeah so I have never had what you would consider just a standard nine to five job and uh, have never worked for a company that had more than 10 people involved in it. Um, So I've always been involved with early stage businesses. Coming out of college, I was still mowing yards and cutting down trees to pay the bills. I was pursuing my own social media application at the time. And uh, I had an internship with a medical device company that uh, they they did video laryngoscopes, which is a a very interesting medical device. But essentially the first year out out of school, I had the opportunity to start and fail at about three businesses, work for a startup, uh, and then got hired on to help launch a business as a consultant. And so managed to find my way into a, a relatively steady gig building a business for a, um, a, a couple of individuals that I'd met. And that business is actually still around. It's called Broglies.com. They're a, a state organization and relocation company that's been a, around and serving the community for about seven years now. Very cool. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so when would you say that Pentagrams.com maybe experienced most of its growth? And what do you think contributed to that growth? So Pinatagrams kind of fluctuated in its success after I got it started and that South by Southwest uh, marketing campaign got us into some blogs and some media attention. Uh, orders naturally started picking up. I formed a partnership with a company that um, they were an app targeted towards college students to reward them for locking their phones during class. And they were actually our our primary lead source for customers for about two years. Um, And the revenue was enough for me to live off of, but wasn't my end all entrepreneurial aspirations. And so throughout that, uh, you know, two to three year period there, I was still cycling through my own ideas and helping other people with their startups. And then 2020 happened. And at the beginning of 2020, I had just hired my first employee. We were going to really push forward the business-to-business side of our uh, of our company, servicing enterprise clients with these unique, fun things in the mail for their um, outbound sales efforts. Okay. And that's when the pandemic hit, and I was certain that we were going to fold, and I was going to have to let my employee go, and it was not good times in March of 2020. Yeah, I know. But then <laughs> April happened. <laughs> <laughs> but then April happened and I was, I was very fortunate to, um, in my small apartment complex, there was a, um, a wedding photographer and a wedding videographer that naturally did not have work at the time. And they were my neighbors. And we just decided to shoot a pinata grams, uh, marketing ad. And I got into Facebook advertising at the perfect time, which was April of 2020. And as to, was the major growth factor in pinatagrams as it is today. It was um, leaning heavily into Facebook marketing in the middle of 2020 when everybody had pulled their ad budgets out, but there was more attention than ever on the platform. And we just rode the wave of uh, very cheap digital impressions. Wow. So like 
would you say that you uh, your business strategy marketing all of that would you would you would you attribute a lot of your business success to maybe luck or would you say that it's more skill or or maybe both so yeah so i i absolutely and you'll see this with a lot of entrepreneurs that will own up to being in the right place at the right time and i like the i forget who exactly said it i it's been accredited to maybe oprah winfrey at, at certain times but luck is opportunity meets preparedness mm. uh, or opportunity meets preparation. And I really like that sentiment because I have tried to be prepared to take advantage of the opportunities that come in front of me. And I've failed at a lot of them. And, um, and that's all right. Failure is a very healthy thing and a component uh, of just learning and moving forward. And so I had failed enough at that point to, um, <laughs> To have learned enough to take advantage of that moment in time during the pandemic. And it was, it was amazing because we had the ability to bring happiness and spread joy during this time of, you know, yeah. quite honestly, just uh, fear. And, and the, it was very scary at that time. So yeah, we yeah. were fortunate to be able to spread something a little bit lighthearted and happy. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm sure that that contributed to a lot of your growth. Like who doesn't want to receive a pinata in a box like <laughs> when things are tough. Um, so you experienced a little bit that uh, you explained a little bit how you failed a lot. And what is your mantra as an entrepreneur that just keeps you going when things get tough? Ooh, I, I need one. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I need to. I need to find that that singular mantra. Um, what what my process is is to call up my other friends that are entrepreneurs and that understand the stressful nature of uh, striking out on your own and 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 really trying to take an idea into the market. And I lean on on my support group. You know, just the the people that I'm fortunate to have in my life, both professionally and personally. Um, without them, there are definitely times in my journey that. I would have uh, not been able to continue pressing forward um, and, and stay in the fight working on my own projects. Yeah, no, people like that are important to have, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, so all, while on that subject of having those types of people in your life, uh, moving more towards like TCU-centered questions, um, while a student, how did you network at TCU and do you now use those connections professionally after college? So I wish I would have networked at TCU more. Mm -hmm. I did a very good job of knowing all of my professors well. And I had a practice my junior and senior year after classes on any given day, probably twice a week, I would do a lap around all of my professors' offices just to see if they were in. Um, and if they were, I'd stop and have a conversation with them about some idea that I was working on and get their feedback, ideally critical. I wanted to hear, you know, how is how is this not going to work or what do you see as the next best, best steps? But I wish I would have been more present uh, at what is it? The entrepreneurship club at the time. And there was also a club called the CEO club that brought in specifically CEOs to speak. Um, and those opportunities on campus still exist and have gotten, uh, you know, have developed to a whole new level today. Uh, and I, and I wish I would have, would have had the resources that, um, that are there today for sure. 
Yeah. For anyone who's wanting to to join, the Entrepreneurship Club is always open. We have an awesome president, Peyton Cranford. Yeah, I love the club. It we're it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um. So, how do you well, suggest to, to give you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that. So the the one uh the one of those events that I did show up at the speaker at the time, this was a group of maybe 20 students and the speaker had started the first in video game media uh, was ad platform actually. So it was, she had built the delivery, the content delivery network that could be implemented into video games. So when you're playing FIFA uh, the soccer game and on the side billboards, those are changing and those are real ads being purchased by companies external to the game and being pumped into that. She built the very first company that ever did that. And I, we were in a room with very few people. We could ask her whatever we wanted. And it's, it's those kinds of unique opportunities to sit mm-hmm. face with, face-to-face with very successful, creative, innovative people, which I think makes it so important to when you are a student leverage that time and those opportunities yeah I would agree I would agree how do you um sadly we only have four more minutes left on this zoom call so um but how do you suggest that maybe students who are more maybe timid or I don't know who you know like as as a college student maybe not as um secure and and how to speak to people um, how do you suggest they network and make relationships and break out of their shell to start going to these kinds of things? Absolutely. Um, I would say push yourself. Uh, once you leave college, you will continually be uh, hit with trials. And the sooner that you can, you can begin to push through those fears and realize that, honestly, everybody is in a similar position. Um, Something that I would say is that when you're in school, you have a .edu email address, and that is gold. Leverage that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talked about networking at on on campus, but something that I wish I would have done was built a LinkedIn and began reaching out to professionals in fields or industries that I was curious about when I was a student. Because being on the other side, being an alumni now, there is this. I, I love to help students, current students, with their whether it be their own um, entrepreneurial journey or just trying to find a job and understand an industry that I might have some knowledge about. And I'm not alone. The vast majority of the workforce will respond to a curious student saying, hey, I'd love to hear about your life and what your role is in this space, because I'm thinking about following suit and joining that industry. Mm -hmm. And so if I have one recommendation, it's build a LinkedIn and begin contacting. And from the fear aspect, don't worry about stumbling over words or not getting the right professional formatting on an email because people understand that you are a student and you are learning and uh, there's a lot of grace given in, in those communications. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that's why I call this podcast TCU Community because we have an awesome community, like the alumni network, the, the, the professors who truly care, um, no, it's great. And yeah, you should definitely, everyone listening should definitely get to know as many people as they can um, and build the LinkedIn, like Nathan said. Um, so what, I'm trying to think here, what advice do you have specifically for students in Neely who have entrepreneurial aspirations? 
So coming out of college myself, I thought the only way was to begin a business as soon as you left school, that I just had to get working on my own projects. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a viable opportunity for students, especially if they pick an industry that is known, has a defined business model, and they're just going to come in, work hard, and build a business. When you look at the track record of most successful entrepreneurs, they have gone out and attained industry expertise Mm -hmm. uh, and built somewhat of a career and a network in a direction and then said, hey, I see an opportunity of how this could be done better. And they leverage that network and that professional expertise that they just built in that industry to turn around and create a company that services that same industry. Um, I used to, uh, <laughs> that, that used to sound like the worst thing ever to me. But if I look back on my 20s and how many different directions I went in, um, focusing in on an industry and, and just figuring out what it's like to, to work in teams and work in a direction uh, is not is not a, as bad as it might sound. So I would say, um, don't be afraid to to try your own thing right out of college. But also, don't feel like joining the workforce, gaining real expert like expertise and network out there, and then turning around and it, you're never too old to, to be an entrepreneur. So don't feel yeah, like you're missing out. <laughs> no, very true. Yeah, I think that can be hard for students with entrepreneurial aspirations to wrap their head around because. You know, you just, you, uh, the students tend to be like go-getters. They just, they just want to start. And so it can feel like a step back to like work a nine to five for a few years and learn, but like shifting that mindset as to, instead of making it like a learning experience is really good advice. So well, that, yeah. well, and I know we only have a, a, a few more minutes, but talking on, on that point, I think everybody should have a, a side hustle, start a business you know, understand money coming to you, the costs associated with delivering a product or a service, whether it be a little t-shirt company or uh, something handmade, some woodworking that you do. Uh, if you, if you're an entrepreneurial minded person, I think go ahead and start in some small way, but um, it is tough because like my dreams were so big when I was exiting college mm-hmm. and the reality of chasing a social media application. That was my big dream coming out of college. I didn't know how to develop software. I didn't have any uh, experience raising capital. There's all of these things that I was going to need to learn. And the reality is I was competing against the best in, in the business. So you're when you're trying to start something, you're competing against everybody out there that already has the expertise and has been there before. And everyone thinks it's going to be theirs. It's their idea. That's going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they also think that the, that their idea is uh, one of a kind. I, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe ideas want to happen and they percolate up through a bunch of like the same idea, like percolates up yeah. through a bunch of different people at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So lastly, um, what is one piece of advice that you wish that you could go back and tell yourself when you were a TCU Neely student? Oh, that's a good one. I got to think for a second. <laughs> take your time, take your time. This is, this is a little, it's definitely a personal thing, but you brought it up earlier about confidence. Mm-hmm. And 
I would have, I would have looked at myself and said, Hey, you're going to fail and that's all right. And, and I wish I could have told myself that failure was a part of the journey. And also, um, all of those little interactions that I was afraid of, uh, the, the people on the other side of the table were not out to get me, you know, it's, uh, so when, when you sit in an interview or, or a situation like that, sometimes you feel like there's this desire for you to, to fail, but really they're, they're just interested and they're looking out for your best interest too. And so I, I think if I could go back, my, my advice to myself would just be, Hey, buck up. Uh, don't take yourself so seriously.